podcast presented by manscaped i am your host joshua marshall and i am joined with my other co-host clay vanderham vandy how's it going vandy is blown away dandy buddy like when our listeners hear this interview incredible i'm on i'm on cloud nine right now we've had you know kelly root we've had some big guests and and you know uh, we love them all yeah they just uh, keep on topping each other. Well, though. yeah. Like, that's I mean, it. We, that's we it. Got, they just <laughs> I've had my favorite player, Bucky. Now I've I've got my my favorite coach. I am a little bit selfish on that, but yeah. That's been wow. Brent Center. That's who we have on the podcast oh, today. Yes. Brent Center, uh, you know, long term long player in the NHL and coach. And you know, he's running the Red Deer Rebels back. He's back there and just doing great things and just a great family. And uh, you know, from Top to bottom, it's just the uh, hockey royalty at its best, right? When when we speak, yeah, absolutely. When we speak about the Alberta way and a good old Alberta boy, it starts with the Sutter family, right? Yeah. I mean that, and and you know it goes down from there. And when when you're thinking of at least the way I played, the way I coached, and and it's it's tough love with a hug, as I say in the interview, but it's the Alberta way. You played hard. You, you, you were skilled and tough and yeah. no better than, than the Sutter boys and, and Brent, obviously, but yeah, incredible, no, incredible it, Bosco. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so we want to thank uh, Cam Moon and Bob Stoffer who uh, helped set this interview up without them. This interview doesn't happen. Uh, you know, I asked Bob, Bob reached out to, uh, you know, obviously works with Mooner now and, who are on the Oilers broadcast and we, uh, we can't thank them enough, you know, Bob vouch for us. And, and, you know, it was, uh, glowing away, just glowing. <laughs> I'm just cloud nine. Just, yeah, uh, can't thank those, uh, you know, Cam and, and Bob enough and, uh, you know, can't thank Brent enough. He spent over an hour with us and, uh, you know, he's just a great storyteller. Uh, what was your takeaway from the interview, uh, Vandy? Well, you, you, and we, we talked about it offline. It, he brought us into the Islander and that's why, you know, we talked about the Oilers, how, you know, those teams, but I wanted to get into and a feel for the Islanders organization and what, and you know, what a common ingredient was. We find out what that is, or at least my opinion on what that is. Um, it's, you know, for those that have been involved in the game, probably a no brainer, but you get to hear it um, firsthand and, and just his route, you know, he, he's, <laughs> Dominated in AJ back in the day. I mean, I, I remember watching him on Shock Cable, the Cooper Alls, and, yeah. and you know, dom, dominated in the dub, and then played 1,100 games in the, the NHL. And 
just uh, an absolute pleasure of a human being as well. And that's the big thing with these podcasts. You, you get to really know these people as humans and yeah. they're incredible. It's no wonder well, they're successful. Yeah, no, exactly. It's just, uh, you know, it, you can't say enough about the Sutter family. Like it's, you know, Petro got to play with that organization for years and he's one of my best friends and just the, what he's talked about. And, you know, he's good friends with Merrick Sutter, who's as in the interview, Brent touches on what kind of the great things that Merrick's doing too. Right. And, and, you know, as, uh, as a bright mind on the business side of things and, and it's just, yeah, they with the way that Memorial Cup that was in Red Deer not too long ago, uh, you know, Merrick was a huge part of that, setting that up, and and Brent obviously too, and you know, Connie, his wife, and you know, Brooks, Brooke does great things too, and 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 her, in what she does in her in her life too, you know, she's got her own business going on, and I think two of them, and it's just, yeah, and you know, Brandon's doing great in the NHL. It's just, uh, you know, and just the rest of the Sutters, they're just they great are, people, they you know, yeah. just they are great people and, uh, you know, they give back and that's the biggest thing too, you know, like took more than an hour to do this interview with us. And, you know, so I, I'm just, I, I love it. And, yeah. you know, I, they, this, you is, know, this is what we do at the two most podcasts. <laughs> we just bring this stuff to you guys. Like it's a bit different. It might be a bit of a change up, but uh, incredible. It, it, yeah. You know, I did. I wanted to ask him, you know, who he thought the better Sutter brother was, but uh, it would. You always it, leave for more, right? Yeah, exactly. So, we'll yeah, get him. Yeah. I'd love to have them all on and just tell stories yeah. about when they were kids. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, you know, we're, uh, we touched on the Sutter Foundation at the, towards the end there, and that's something that, uh, you know, when, whenever they get back online and that, that going, I'm hoping uh, our podcast can be there in a tent and, you know, help sponsor that event and, you know, and be there and be able to, uh, you know, mingle with everyone there and, and all the setters. So we'll, uh, we'll f- figure that out when, when the time is right. But, uh, without further ado, Oh, you got the, one more. Yeah. Uh, uh, congratulations to all those, as I've been calling them, warriors who I think that the long, world's longest game wrapped up yesterday. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. They raised over uh, $1.84 million. Awesome. Unreal. Yeah. You know, like that is, uh, in the, in the coldest temperatures as possible. And then we're going to get a warm bit of a warm snap here. It's just mother nature was against them, but they weren't against mother nature in a way. They just went out and and plugged away and smiled everything you saw, you know, pictures, you know, when you would follow that Instagram account, if you people that have gone down, uh, you know, people that have, and thanks for the volunteers too, you know, the men and women, um, you know, everyone that's donated, everyone that, uh, did a great job uh, hosting that event and getting that event off, you know, all the healthcare workers too, that, you know, provided, uh, you know, everything that they needed to do with uh, following the COVID rules and, you know, Brent's sake, you know, Ron, uh, Ron McLean said it the best on hockey night in Canada. I'll take the words. It's a, it's a little slice of heaven, right? Yep. Yeah. So, all right, we'll finish with that. We'll throw to our interview with Brent Sutter. Enjoy everyone. Our next guest played 1,111 NHL games in the regular season. He played 144 games in the playoffs. He went on to win two Stanley Cups with the New York Islanders. He won three Canada Cups as a player. And as a head coach, he won the Memorial Cup, the WHL Championship in 2000, 2001 with the Red Deer Rebels. And as a, as a head coach also, he won two gold medals in 2005 and 2006 with Team Canada at the World Juniors 
We'd like to welcome Brent Sutter to the Two Months Podcast. Brent, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks, guys. What a resume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that resume can go longer. So, but uh, no, we appreciate you coming on. This is, uh, this is definitely an honor for us. So how are things going and how's the family doing? You know, everyone is most important thing. Everyone is uh, staying safe and healthy. Um, you know, everyone's doing good. Yeah. All the family, everybody's good. So yeah, every, everything's going, going okay. Considering everything. Yeah, no, exactly. So we, uh, we had a, one of your former teammates on with us before. And, uh, when I got this interview confirmed, I reached out to him to ask him if we had any funny stories. So, so we got, we, Kelly Rudy gave me this text. Oh, message. Yeah, Rudy. Yeah, 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 we yeah. had Rudy on. So he goes, yeah. uh, he's like, ask, uh, ask Brent about the time that him and Connie left before left for summer and they left their barbecue on in Lo- in uh, Long Island. So, <laughs> Yeah, we're lucky we didn't burn the house down. And so burnt, burnt the barbecue up and a little bit of the railing on the deck, but it was amazing that we never uh, never burnt the house down. It's crazy. It was just out on the deck. And a uh, good thing we didn't have it sitting against the house. It was sitting against the railing on the deck. And uh, we were lucky. We were yeah. very lucky. Yeah. It, it, ran, it ran out of propane. <laughs> Before it could do anything. Yeah. 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 Good. Crazy. That's, uh, that's awesome. Kelly remembered that. God, I didn't. I wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> Kelly's got a memory of an elephant, man. Like, holy, he, the stuff he, oh, he brings great. up, he, yeah. he's a goalie, right? They remember, they remember everything. Uh, I, you know, I've really, Kelly and I were, you know, our family, or our wives spent a lot of time together, and Kelly and I obviously being teammates and being out west here, we were pretty close. It was a, that was a tough day. That was a, that was a hard day when Kelly got traded from the island. Um, you know, it was just, we rode the rink together. We did things a lot together and uh, it was hard. That was a tough day. And Kelly had a great career, you know, geez, he had a, he had a great career. And funny, we went back and a long way. We played junior hockey against each other. Obviously he played medicine hat. I played in Lockbridge and uh, we both got drafted the same year in the same draft. So yeah. a lot of connections there. Um, I really enjoyed watching Kelly on TV. Uh, you know, he played the game, he understands it, he gets it. He, uh, you know, just the ins and outs of it where people don't haven't played it yet. They're, you know, they're, they talk about things, but their knowledge of actually being a player and being, uh, you know, in the line of fire, they don't understand it where Kelly and the, the, the play past players that are on it do. And Kelly does a great job. Yeah. Yeah, no, he does. He, uh, I've gotten to know him probably over the last three to four years here and, and, uh, you know, obviously the work that he does on the mental health side too is, is, yeah. is unreal. Right. Right. Brent. So yeah, yeah for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, well, we want to thank uh, Cam moon obviously for setting this up and, and, you know, you, you guys, uh, let him out, go to the NHL here. And obviously with the uh, owning a WHL franchise, your, your goal is to groom these, you know, men and women to, to go into, you know, the next level at times too. Right. So talk about your relationship with Cam and what a great guy he is for setting this up and just a great person as he is just in general. Well, you know, major junior hockey is uh, just, just number one, it's just not about developing players. It's uh, allowing people to grow inside your organization and, um, you know, Mooner to get this opportunity and his hometown is, uh, his team that he cheered for his whole life. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it's a dream come true, obviously, right? So 
I'm obviously very thrilled for him, excited. Um, tremendous guy. You know, Mooner and I have been together since I purchased the team, our family purchased team, you know, 21 years ago, so 1999. So, um, you know, it's been a, a long relationship and uh and he gets an opportunity like this it's uh you couldn't be more happier for someone i mean he's been so loyal a uh, tremendous tremendous person hard working very dedicated like i said very loyal um you know and uh and a great broadcaster you know and uh, but he was someone for me outside of the fact that no he was yeah you know all the things i mentioned but for me he was uh he was someone to really communicate with and get a different perspective of a game from a broadcasting point of view where, you know, he's up top and, but he played the game, right? He understands the game. He played the game and, you know, through, you know, after games, I guess, whether it was through wins or losses, uh, we could talk or the next day or after a game and it never had to be much, but what he said always resonated with me. Um, you know, what his thoughts were on the game. And so I'm going to really miss that. Um, you know, just the connection that, that we had with that and, uh, you know, and whether it was not only just with our players, but when you're maybe working on some transactions or something, uh, Mooner was someone I always talked to. I used as many resources as I could inside the organization to, to get a feel about what may transpire or the individual we may be trading for or, whatever and uh mooner's mooner's points of view always hit home with me and uh i held it to the highest regard so i'm going to miss that part i'm going to miss that that you know just on the bus the the jokes the fun on the fun times on the bus and uh it's just it's going to be different um but we will adjust and uh and yet at the same time i couldn't be happier for mooner and it's going to be a hard person to replace or a hard role to replace inside the organization. I mean, there's all kinds of broadcasters, but there's a lot of boxes that I, that I want to check off that Mooner checked off. I mean, to, and not that you're going to be able to check off every box that Mooner was able, that Mooner was able to do. Um, but we gotta, we gotta find that right person. And, uh, you know, and yet if there's no rush, we'll take our time. Um, we're not going to look into this until the summer. Uh, we'll get through this year. Uh, we have a gentleman that's worked with Mooner, uh, and he's uh, he's going to uh, he's going to uh, do our broadcasting. So uh, for the twenty four games we have, and then uh, then we'll dig into it once we get into the summer and figure it all out. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we, you know, his relationship is, is, and we know Bob. We've had Stoffer on too, and those two guys together. Is, it's going to be, you know, we're, we're very fortunate here in Edmonton to have that. And, you know, just great words, what you said, he's, he's a, he's a great person, you know, and he knows the game and, you know, I've gotten the the privilege to, to know a, a, a couple of alumni in your organization, uh, Alexander Petrovich, uh, you know, was, yeah. Petrovic, but then uh, we, we had uh, Turner Elson on to this podcast and, you know, these guys spoke highly of your organization and Mooner. And I want to touch on that with you, Brent. And, the culture that you instilled with this organization from top to bottom, you know, where did that come from? And, and can you elaborate and bring our listeners into that, the culture that you have at the, with the Red Deer Rebels? Well, you know, number one, you're not always going to win every year. Major junior hockey is, uh, you know, you go through, 
years where you're having success and years where you got to kind of retool. And it's always a process um, when you do it. But, um, you know, but the most important thing is having that culture right from the top to the bottom and, you know, just the expectations that we have both on and off the ice, uh, the way all the, you know, just not, just not the players, but the staff, uh, both uh, on the business side and the hockey side. And, um, you know, I guess it's just, for me, it's uh, been part of winning, winning organizations when I played uh, for the Islanders for 10 plus years, then for the Blackhawks for seven plus years. And, uh, um, you know, working for great ownership groups, uh, great management, playing for great coaches, uh, understanding the winning environment when you have success, right? And playing the Canada Cups and three Canada Cups and uh, seeing how things were done there, um, whether it's through the management staff or the coaching staff. And then when you get older, um, you know, in Chicago, I was very fortunate to have uh, Mr. Pulford and Bob Murray were my managers there. And, uh, you know, just a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, it's one-on-one time just talking a lot about just the, the business side of the game and uh, and and the workman with the words family and so that really it really uh, helped me a lot and uh, um, you know and just you know when you've won and you see what it takes to be successful and you see how organizations do it uh, you know I just you know I guess when purchased team it was just a matter of just implementing that uh, it was hard on people um, and we had people resign uh, because they just couldn't work in that environment. And that's fine. Uh, you know, I totally understand it. And, uh, but that being said, it wasn't going to change the way, the way it needed to be done. And, uh, and that was, you know, that, that's, you know, you think about Mooner, like Mooner was there right from the start, uh, Dave Radar, Horny, our trainer, um, you know, so they, they jumped right on board with it. And, uh, uh, and, you know, I guess, it's not that past ownership weren't great guys and great ownership group too. It's just that I believe in doing things differently and uh, being a local person here, uh, uh, not, not an interest inside the organization from the outside. It was, uh, and you know, it was my home and, uh, and it had to be done the right way. And, and again, it's, uh, it takes everybody. It's always about the people inside of it. It's about, you know, bringing in the right people, having the right, the right people and the right roles and allow people to do the job by the leadership and let them run with it. And I think over time, uh, for me, it's just being, uh, open, uh, listening to others, to how things can be done, how we can change. Uh, you gotta be creative. Um, uh, you know, and just, you know, it's, we got a young staff, um, young coaching staff uh obviously radars radar has been around a long time but our medical trainer is young our coaching staff's young upstairs in our office for the most part we're we're very young my my son who has helped me run the business side of it i mean he's 30 34 years old so um you know he uh that's, that's merrick yeah it's merrick yeah, yeah. yeah. and you know he's 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 got a real sharp mind but they they're in with the times right now, right? The way things are done. And at times I can be old school, but you know, it's just, it's, it's just working on all those and all those things together. And, 
but there's something to say about old school mentality too, in the sense of, um, you know, the game itself, you know, it, it was this way a hundred years ago and it'll be this way a hundred years from now. You got to be very committed. You got to be a hardworking individual. You got to be a team guy. Uh, you got to be disciplined. I mean, all those things are pretty, pretty standard, right? They're always on the top of the list, no matter what. Uh, and then there's, then the game has changed, right? So then you adjust as a coach to how the game has changed, but those other things are still at the top of the list at all times. Uh, no matter who's in your dressing room, no matter, uh, you know, where your players come from, whatever, uh, you know, my nephew, Sean, he's my assistant general manager and, uh, he does, uh, hardworking, very smart hockey person. And he does a great job drafting and, um, uh, and recruiting players and, uh, spend a lot of time with parents, with parents of those players. So, you know, it's, I don't know, like you just, you, just over time, it just, you, you, you know, you die on the mountain that, that, uh, you know, it can, and not just being, be successful on the ice, but, uh, being successful off the ice and not in a, in a sense where everyone knows when they come to Red Deer, this is the way it is. Um, uh, you know, and, uh, and players, players love it. I mean, they just adapt and, you know, everyone wants everyone wants a culture everyone wants discipline um it's just you know you just gotta do it the right way and manage everything the right way and um you know and not everything's always going to be rosy every day there's there's peaks and valleys through it too but you work together through it all and uh, like i said i i i give a lot of credit to the people around me right and uh my staff uh um a lot of my family members work there, Merrick, daughter, Brooke, wife, Connie, uh, you know, so, you know, it's, uh, it's a, a group that's very committed and dedicated and hardworking and great staff, both on the business side and hockey side. And, and the players are awesome, you know, and, uh, I can honestly say I've never, I've never through all the years, uh, I've never ever taken anything personal with any, or any staff member at all i mean it's just all part of it and uh um uh, you know so you just continue to do it try to do it the right way and along the way there's changes and uh, whether it's the personnel or or uh obviously players change uh um you know and the game has changed a lot right even on the business side it's changed a lot so uh you just adjust and adapt and trust uh, the people around you yeah, no, exactly. It's, uh, you know, even talking with Petro, numerous conversations with him, it's, he just, you know, holds the, your guys' organization and your family at high, high regard because yes, it's the business side and the player side, the player side and the hockey side, but it's the personal side. Like you guys do such a great job of grooming and, and making these, these kids, when they come to you, they're kids and you make them better as adults when they leave your program, right? And they go on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, that's just part of it. And not, yeah. you know, and the reality of it is, is that not every player is going to play professional hockey. Yeah. You know, very far, very small very number. Few, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you think about as far as in the National Hockey League, but there's 31 teams, 23 contracts per team, uh, whatever that works out to be 600, <laughs> some, yeah. 600 some players across the NHL. But those players are from all over the world. Yeah. 
let's not talk about from Canada or North America, from all over the world, right? So yeah. it's tough to play in the NHL. Um, it's the best league in the world. and But our job is to get him as prepared as you can, not only from the hockey side of it, getting him to move on to pro hockey, but quite a lot of them are not going to do that. And, and you got to get him ready for the real world. Right. And uh, you want them to be at the best schools they possibly can be at and um, get the best degrees they, they can have. And that's why we're hard on schooling. Um, you know, if a, if I, you know, probably for me, it's uh, it's a sensitive thing, the schooling part of it, because um, I want to see our kids do really well in school. I don't want to see a kid just just want to get just enough to get by. You know, that's to me, that's unacceptable. Uh, you know, because you don't want to just get by in the world. You want to thrive to be the best you can be in, um, whether it's in the business or the hockey side of it. So, um, you know, that that part is where I dig my heels in pretty good on it, that I want our kids doing, being successful in school. And um, we got the right people around them to help. And that's big thing, too, with it all is that providing the resources, giving the players all the resources they can possibly have to be successful in whatever it may be. And, uh, and then they got to take it and run with it. And, uh, you know, it's part of, part of our role is to make sure that they do that. Yeah. So they can be successful. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. Very well said. Um, so talk about the team that you have right now and the decision that you guys, uh, you know, have the kids staying at the rink full time there. Um, are you guys as the coaches, managers, you guys doing that too? And, and talk about what team do we expect to see out of the Red Deer Rebels this year in the 24 game season? Brilliant move, by the way. Yeah. You know what? It's pretty cool. It's actually, uh, I've had a lot of responses from different people in the hockey circles, uh, general managers, coaches, uh, at different levels, NHL level, uh, junior level, whatever. That is what a great idea to do. And, uh, you know, it's like a, when these kids, to when they look back at it, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, or whatever it's going to be, they're always going to remember this year. Unfortunately, it's through COVID, and, but it, we're trying to make the best out of a tough situation. And uh, we just felt in Red Deer, our best case scenario was going to be um, uh, staying in the facility if we could. It was approached to, to us by um, uh, Abby Wallen and uh, she uh, she approached us. She works for Westner Park and she just thought it might be a really good thing and so my son Merrick dug more into it and uh, Westner and ourselves worked together on it and we and along with the city. Um, we've had a lot of people help out in the community and uh, and our billets, parents, uh, you name it. It's been uh, uh, sweet holders, uh, corporate sponsors. Everyone's been helped out to, to make this uh, the best experience the kids could possibly have in a tough situation. So um, it, the rink has just been totally renovated. So it's, uh, it's beautiful inside, absolutely gorgeous. And kids all have their own suite. And it's like their own room. And uh, um Great food, uh, fit very well. That's really obviously very important. And, and they get to, you know, there's a lot of stuff set up in the concourse with games and ping pong tables and basketball hoops. And we, we moved our, our bikes upstairs and some weights and stuff like that. So out of our gym and, um, you know, we're trying to, trying to do it to, 
the best of our ability and uh, kids are loving it. You know, we'll, after warms up and stuff, we'll get outside and do some things in the parking lot and stuff like that. I mean, we can play snow football or do whatever, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, I've coached, all, I've coached junior B kids. So what a better way to keep the ball in line and keep them. <laughs> but you know what? It, it, it's just, it's really unique. And you know what? I give the kids three options. I actually asked them uh, we had a zoom call one day with them and, I just asked him, so guys, you know, basically we can do this, this, and this. And uh, it was either the billets, hotels, or or, uh, or in this environment. And they really wanted to do this environment. They thought it'd be right pretty on. cool. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. And uh, awesome. our, our team is going to be, uh, uh, we got a lot of returning players. Um, I don't know whether there is uh, 19, whatever returning players. We're a really young team last year in our league. so. Um, so that part is uh, good. We've got like six other new players that have come in, young players, uh, a couple 17 year olds and, uh, some 16 year olds and our, our top, uh, our top, our pick six overall, uh, 15 year old, uh, Caden Len, he'll be, uh, Kaylin in and he'll be coming in. Uh, um, he'll be joining us here in about 10 days. He's got to go through the proper protocols and stuff before he can join us. So. Yeah, we, we liked our team, um, you know, and yet it, it's, you got to get ready. It's been, you know what, you guys, it's been almost a year since we played a game. That's you know, crazy. The 26th is our first game and it'll be two weeks from that point. Like it was uh, around that March 9th, I believe, or something like that. When we yeah. Had to yeah. Shut it down last year, whatever it was. And uh, yeah, I think it was around the yeah, 9th and 11th. Yeah. 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 It's, it's very sad. Somewhere in there. So, so are they, are, are, are you traveling or like, how, how is that working? Are they keeping you in playing, you know, certain division teams and yeah, well, we can only stay in our province. We can't okay. go outside the province. Yeah. we got to stay within our province. Uh, that's all part of the, um, you know, the regulations with our, you know, staying within your own jurisdictions. Right. So yeah, uh, not outside your province. So there's the five teams, us, Edmonton, Calgary, Mesnat, Lethbridge. So, uh, we'll play a 24 game schedule and, um, you know, and give these kids an opportunity to develop. It's a developmental uh, year right now at this point and uh, lots of practice time, which is awesome. Um, and we'll play games on the weekend. So yeah. that's, that's just the way the schedule is working. So, no, it's good. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's the best of a tough situation and it's been a long haul to get to this point. A lot of people have worked extremely hard to, get to where we're at today uh whether it's the health ministries uh the province uh people that worked with them uh, in some big office uh, just a lot of different people different people in different organizations so it's been a lot of work uh, but we're here now and we're just going to see how it goes but hopefully it'll go uh go well perfect yeah well we wish you guys the best and we keep on, uh, I got one more here and then I throw to Clay here and he's going to talk about your career, but, uh, how special was it this year to see Brandon, your son, uh, get the hat trick this year, early in the year, how with some beautiful goals too. Beautiful. Trying for a hat trick goal, center in on net and he scores. in his 735th career game has his first career hat trick and the Canucks lead 7-1.
Yeah, I was, you know, like to score three goals like that was in a game is, uh, it's pretty awesome. I'm proud of them, obviously. Uh, um, but you know what? Uh, there's so much made on points and goals in today's game. And, uh, and yes, everybody, you need to score goals to win, but there's so many other intangible things that are so important for teams to have successful, be successful. And, um, you know, media love to talk about all the big point producers and everything like that, right? Because that's what sells the game. But when you're in a team sport, there's so many other things that are involved in putting a good team together and the ingredients of a team. And um, Brandon is always not going to get a lot of recognition on offense, even when he was in junior. I think his biggest year was 60-some points or something in junior, but it's just all the other things he does so well. And, um, that doesn't maybe get recognized a lot on the outside. and. Um, but you know what I, you know what he is. Uh, I know he's appreciated by his team, his organization, his players, his teammates, and he always has been. So, and that's all that matters. And so, for him to get a hat trick like that, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, again, he's he's uh, you know he's more of a checking line center, but you know, he's someone that can produce offense and put in the right situations and. Uh, um, you know, and he's he's not someone who's going to get a lot of power play time, but he kills penalties. And uh, so, you know what? I was happy for him. It's thrilling. It's his first one. And, you know, he's, this is his 13th year in the National Hockey League. So he's been in the league for quite a while. He's had a tough goal here the last few years with injuries. Um, you know, just fluke crazy things, right, that are unfortunate, yeah. unlucky injuries. But that's that's just the way it goes. And he, I suppose it's his attitude that, he handles it all so well because he just, he takes it day to day, uh, win, lose or draw. He's got a smile on his face the next day, ready to get back to work. And, uh, it's contagious inside of a room. He's a great leader too. So obviously he's wearing the letter there. So do you want silky smooth plums? Stop mowing your buddy's lawn and start mowing your own. Manscaped. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it first hand manscaped trim that junk of yours get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code two months at manscaped.com your balls will thank you well yeah i mean we all know you know growing up in alberta watching i like to take back and and kind of go back to minor hockey i won't go that far we'll make it we'll think it that far but um you play ajhl whl um, you're heading into 1980 into a draft year. Um, probably one of the better drafts the NHL has had. You get drafted first overall to the Islanders. Um, speak to that. Where, you know, are you attending the draft at that time? Uh, you know, are you? No, actually, I wasn't. Um, it's funny going to the draft. Uh, you know, I played that year in Red Deer as a 17 year old. It was the year we won the Centennial Cup, actually. And uh, I could have went to Lethbridge, but. Uh, I, I played in Red Deer as a 15-year-old uh, with the wrestlers, and I was actually the youngest of the boys to leave home. And uh, anyway, you know, and I had a full year as being a 15-year-old there, and uh, and I had a. It was really a. It was really a. Uh, I guess I don't know how to put it. Kind of started me off. Uh, you know what? To be quite honest, uh, what really I really started believing that I could I could play junior A hockey is when I was 
playing Bantam the year before. And uh, I got called up to uh, to play for the midget team in the, in our you know every year you host a tournament and uh, and uh, I, I got called up and I was the star of the game in every game. And where uh, was that? Was that in red? It was in Viking. Viking yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I I think in four games or whatever we played. Um, I don't know. I think I had like 12 or 14, 15 goals. <laughs> or something. I had like 20 points or something in those games. And, uh, um, and I just, that's where I really started believing, you know, I can play with the older players. I can, I can, uh, I can compete with them. I can be better than they are. Uh, it was a really driving force that summer for me to get ready to go to Red Deer. And when I went to Red Deer, I, you know, everyone just told just go there for, you know, get the experience and be back playing midget hockey the next year, junior B. But I was on a different mission. I wanted to go there and make the team. And, uh, and I did. And, uh, um, I was very fortunate to play with brother Dwayne, um, Kelly Kissio, uh, was on the team that year and Kelly to this day, Kelly and I are still very good friends. And, uh, um, and then it just kind of grew. And then, the seventh-year-old year, our, our coach that year came in halfway through the year was John Chap, and Chappie was our coach. And uh, awesome, just an awesome hockey guy, awesome teacher. He, well, he basically became like a second dad to me yeah. and uh, took me under his wings. Uh, to this day, him and I talk all the time still. He always calls me Junior. Uh, that's <laughs> my junior. And uh, he... Uh, uh, but I learned how to play the game the right way with him. And then he didn't coach us as a 16 year old, my 16 year old year, then his 17 year old season, he was hired in the summer that year. And it was a new group of owners and it was brother Brian and, uh, some other guys that were good business people and hockey people in our community. And they bought the team and I hired Chap to be the coach. And he went and did a great job recruiting, uh, Brother Ronnie and Richie came to the team that year. Actually, it's a picture behind your screen. Yeah. Behind <laughs> you there on the screen. And yeah. uh, we won Canada. And uh, and actually, we, we won it. We won it. Uh, I think that year we lost nine games all year. And uh, out of 100 games or something we played. So we had a heck of a team. Uh, and in, in a way, everyone was telling me, oh, you're going to, uh, you know, you'll get drafted somewhere in that you know, third round because you're playing junior A hockey and stuff. But I, I didn't believe that. I, I truly believe that I could be a first round draft pick. Uh, I was runner up for Canadian player of the year that year. Um, uh, and had a good season, had 170 some points and, uh, that year in red year. And, Not uh, a bad season. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, I remember people saying, Oh, you, you're not going to get drafted in the first round or second round, but I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just, believed I could and uh um I had a actually his name was Lou Jankowski and he was the head scout for New York Rangers and he followed us everywhere to be truthful that's where I thought I was getting drafted to is the Rangers and uh uh and they had to pick the next pick after the Islanders and so so it was uh and back then you didn't go to the draft I was actually working for uh, Northwest Utilities in Viking and uh, the Viking Gas Camp they call it and I was in the backyard actually I was a welder's helper and uh, uh, Lee Laskowski was actually the welder Lee was uh, steer wrestling Canadian steer wrestling champion and uh, 
um, finished always in the top five or six in world champion bulldogging and, uh, and he, he's a welder. And so he worked, he was a welder at Northwest Utilities. So I worked for him and, uh, I was actually in the back. Lee was, Lee used to go and, uh, he used to go on weekends and he'd travel all over North America and do rodeos. And then, so when he came back, any of the jobs, I, that's why I learned how to, to weld was I'd, uh, he let me weld Texas gates and different things that I could learn to weld on. And uh, actually that day I was welding in the backyard of the gas camp and Lynn Joseph Fishing, he was the boss there. He'd come in the back and it was about 10.30 in the morning and he said, uh, Brent, you're welding on the phone. And I knew it was draft day. And uh, I said, okay, so, you know, it, I went and I knew the draft started at a certain time. So I thought, geez, that that uh that's pretty quick so i went went to his office and he put me on the speakerphone and then left the room and it was mr tory and he called and said just tell me that i was taken in the first round 17th pick overall by by themselves the owners and uh, congratulated me and told me he'd see me in august so or september whenever camp started and that was it (laughs) thanks uh, bill i gotta go finish the texas gate yeah, I did. I left the, I left yeah. the one out and I kept welding. And, uh, awesome. And, you know, and there was obviously excitement in the family and stuff like that, like when I got home and stuff. But um, it's funny, Brother Dwayne got drafted uh, the year before that, 17th pick overall by the Allers. Same pick. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, that's kind of the way it worked back then. And, uh, but then I played, uh, I went to the camp there and, Went to the camp in the fall and got uh, um, played a couple of max. My first exhibition game, first game I played was in Chicago, Chicago Stadium, and I lined up for a face-off. Center ice, they had myself, brother Dwayne, and Clark Gillies on our team as the forward line, and the other team was brother Daryl, Tom Lysiak, and Tom Lysiak and Rich Preston, and uh, it was crazy. The pucks dropped. Tom Lysiak put it through my legs. I turned around to get the puck. He put it back to my legs and give it to the defenseman, give it to his defenseman. He spun <laughs> me right around the circle. Center ice. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Stadium. I'll, I'll never forget that. I was like, okay, you got something to learn here, bud. So anyway, uh, that was my first game. And, uh, and then I played in the, I think a couple of ones and I got, I went back with junior and red deer that year. And then they called me up uh, in March. They had uh, they had a lot of injuries back then. You can bring kids on emergency basis. Kids that are junior were coming and going a lot. And uh, um, and the Islanders had Trotch and Steve Tambellini was hurt. Um, Brian uh, Trotche and some other guys. Anyway, so they called me up. So my first game was in March in Calgary, and they were on a three game swing. They're playing in Calgary. Vancouver and Los Angeles. So my, I'm 18 years of age. So my brother twins, Ronnie Ritchie, they drove me up to the game and, uh, we got beat 11, four. Oh, wow. And after the game, and of course it's in the old Calgary Corral. And after the game, the dress rooms are long, narrow dress rooms in the back, back, uh, corner of the dress room, there was myself, Wayne Merrick, 
John Tonelli and Bobby Nystrom are all sitting in the back part of the dressing room. And Al comes in, opens the door, and Al Arbor, a coach, and he's got the glasses on, right? And he's pushing his glasses up against his forehead, and he's walking back. And he's Al's like a six-foot guy, six-foot-one, but his shoulders are about four feet wide. And uh, he's, a, he's a real strong, big guy. And he's walking through the dressing room, not a word being said, and he walked back. And he stands right there. And I think he's staring at me, right? I'm like, oh, Jesus. And uh, my first game. And uh, he looks he looks at me and he spins and looks at Wayne Merrick, John Tonelli, and Bobby Nystrom. And he goes, you three assholes. And turns around and walks out of the room. Well, the three of them were minus seven that night. Oh. <laughs> so it was, it was like, that was my first experience of the National Hockey League real game. And uh, well, a regular season game, and then we we went on and played in Vancouver, and uh, we won five five two there. And I got a goal and assist. And uh, then we went to LA, and uh, uh, we won two one there. And I assisted on the first goal and scored the game winner late in the game, and we won two one. And then I got sent back to junior, and uh, never forget Al coming to dress after that game and come in and he said, you know, congratulate us and good game guys. And everything. And he said, but I got some sad news for you. And they're like, what, what happened? They're like, we got to send Brent back to Lethbridge. <laughs> so, anyway, so I went back to Lethbridge and uh, uh, finished the year there. And then I got called up. Um, that was their second Stanley Cup run. And I got called up and I was on the Black Aces. Uh, that was a great experience. You know, I got to uh, see a lot of playoff games, uh, traveled with the team. There was, well, Kelly Rudy was part of the group. Kelly yeah. and I were through the black aces and, uh, there was like four of us and, uh, Gary Howe was another guy, John Potvin. Uh, so it was fun. We got to practice and, and then after on game days and stuff that we played three and three on the ice. And after Lauren Hain was an assistant coach and he'd come out and play with us. And so, yeah, it was, it was a great experience to see all that. And, uh, and then uh, the following year, um, went back to training camp and um, actually had a really good camp. I was disappointed to be sent back that year. It was uh, I led the team in scoring in in, in uh, exhibition. Played every exhibition game. Played twelve games. Had like I don't know fifteen, sixteen points or something like that, and um, and got sent back. But that being said, Mister Tory was awesome. He just you know he told me that you know he wanted to be loyal to the group that had just won. Stanley Cup and that uh for me to go back and uh and have a good you know start off good and have a good season so I went back there and then I uh that was the first year actually that there's the world junior team that they were taking out uh they named Dave King was the head coach and uh um I don't know how it unfolded anyway they called me and called me in early December and and uh um you know, and that's just that, you know, wanted me to play on the team and stuff. And that, uh, um, they, uh, they, but they said they understood the Islanders would have some say in it. So anyway, so I, I was about to go to world juniors and Mr. Arbery called or Mr. Tory called me and said, Brent, uh, we want you to, uh, we're not so sure we want you to go to world juniors. We want you to, to go home and spend Christmas with your family because it'll be the last Christmas that you're ever going to have at home. 
and uh and so that's a a tough decision at at your age right i I had to turn it down yeah and tough one and then the islanders called me up on december 20th in detroit and our 21st i think it was and we played the 21st detroit I met the team in Detroit and then we played the next night back in Long Island against Winnipeg. And then after that game, the next morning I flew home and flew back Had Christmas at home. And they told me to go join your back with Lethbridge to your team in Lethbridge. And we'll, uh, we'll call you up on January 4th. So we had a bunch of injuries with Lethbridge at the time too. So I was actually playing defense at the time. And uh, all our all our defensive got hurt. So Jesus, I was playing defense, but you know we had. Uh, I think I played like I don't know. We had 30, 30 some games. I had eighty some points and uh, had like one hundred and sixty penalty minutes. And uh, it was uh, it had a, you know it was a really good start to the year. And uh, and then I got called up. I got called up on January fourth, and uh, and I guess the rest is history. Yeah. Um, I never thought I'd go in there, you know, to, I don't know. I think I had like 41 points in 41 games or something like that. And, uh, um, led the team in penalty minutes. Uh, love I it. Never, the Alberta way. I love it. Uh, I just, I just, <laughs> never, you know, I never expect, but Al put me in great position. Uh, and you know, and then I guess the rest is kind of history. That's kind of how it all kicked off. And I never, you know, I never, you know, I had 12 straight 20 goal seasons and I would have never thought that you could accomplish that at the NHL level. Right. And, uh, um, but you know, again, it's about the players you played around or played with, uh, the teams. I mean, obviously I played on great teams there. Um, and, and you know, I'll speak to those teams. I mean, we're Edmontonians, Oilers fans. We know obviously the history and, but, but speak to the Islanders and how good, they were, and I don't think a lot of, well, a lot of our listeners might not know, you know, the, the battles they had, you had with Edmonton, but what, what do you think was the common ingredient? You know, you've, you've heard the stories of Gretzky and, and Curry yeah. and Mess and all those guys, you guys, I mean, Clark Gillies, Dennis Potvin, Mike Bossy. I mean, just legends well, in the game. You know, right? what, you know, what turned out actually what, what it's funny with the Islanders, what it was the year before it was a free or actually the first year they won the Stanley cup. Um, I, they were a big, strong, tough team, right? And obviously with some great talent on it. And, uh, but they just seemed to always just get there, but not quite, you know, and uh, they got beat in best of three against Toronto Maple Leafs. Lion McDonald scored, scored the overtime winner in game three and beat, knocked them out in the first round. Uh, I believe that was the year before they won the first Stanley Cup. Um, but, in a way, they had. Uh, it was actually a game in Boston that they realized how tough they were and how good they can be. Both benches, both benches emptied, and they had a big brawl. Oh wow! Sutter moved it in on Cheevers. Cheevers skates over to the corner. Is Milbury and Sutter? Well, they were joined before. Jonathan has somebody, Larima, and the bench is empty, of course. The period has ended. Jonathan and Larima flailing away. That's the rugged battle. 
it is uh, Langman stepping in and McCrimmon. Earlier, it was Melbury and Sutter. Boston had a tough team. Boston, oh, yeah. Could, you know, Al Secord, Terry Riley, yeah. John Dick, Wayne Cashman, Stan Jonathan. <laughs> you know, it goes on and on, right? And uh, Mike Melbury. I mean, they were, they were a tough team. And, uh, um, and you know what? The Islanders, when that was the turning point for that franchise, you know, they had, you know, the Clarky then, you know, everyone knew Clark was tough, but now he's in a, in a battle like that. Gary Howard, Bobby Nystrom, Gordy Lane, uh, uh, Bobby Larmar, it just goes on and on. And <laughs> they had a tough team too. And it was a, it was an all out brawl, toe to toe, both teams. And, that's when the Islanders kind of came together and realized, you know what, we can, it was almost like it was, uh, it was like, okay, we can do this. Yeah. And, and it took them to a whole different level, you know, and of course they had Trotch and Boss and Dennis Potsy and Butchie and they had obviously great players too. And, uh, uh, not the other guys were all, they were all really good players. Like when I went there, I, I, I was just in awe with all those guys, right. Cause they were, <laughs> big boys and can play and they're tough and uh and they treated me so well and every to a man um they were awesome and you know you you learned how to be a real you know i always felt i was a good teammate and um but that was a whole different level right and uh and you learn how to be a pro and you learn it on a winning team but that kind of kicked the islanders off and got them going and you know and uh and, and our fourth Stanley Cup, well our third Stanley cup, actually, um, you know, uh, it was the first year that I played where I got called up in January and, you know, I was playing regular playing power play, uh, killing some penalties and, you know, I'm 19 years old and doing all this, you know, going to NHL and getting these opportunities was unbelievable. Well, we get into game, game one, I believe it was against the Rangers. And, I'm the last man coming out of the zone with puck. And I try to try to make a one-on-one play against a guy by the name of Rob McClanahan. Rob played for the U.S. Olympic team. And he's playing, we're playing the Rangers, of course, our number one rivalry. Well, he strips me of the puck and he goes in and scores on Smitty. Oh, no. I was, oh. I was, I was so pissed off at Smitty. <laughs> 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 but no. Yeah. But anyway, they scored. And I never seen a regular shift again wow. for the rest for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. Until games three and four of the Stanley Cup finals. So I played, you know, four, five, six shifts a night, which you just do the best you can. Back in the day, though, you're playing it's the fourth line. The fourth line back in the day had three heavies on it. Yeah. So heavyweights, right? So here's me out there against these guys that are 220 pounds, and I'm 175 pounds soaking wet. And uh, uh, it was just like, holy shit. Like, and so, but it was a great learning tool for me. And uh, great. And as much as the time he didn't like it, I understood it. I mean, the players used to always come up to me like, what's going on? Like, yeah. why are you yeah. I better players. Like, why aren't you playing? I'm like, I don't know. But I, I just, and Al never talked to me, never said a word to me. Yeah. And then he got into playing the Vancouver Canucks in the finals. Game one, I didn't play much. 
game two, we're up like five, two or something like that, or whatever the score was five, three, I can't remember. It was halfway through the second period, about halfway through the game. Al put me on the ice and took Trotcha to take a face off in the offensive zone. I was like, well, what's this all about? I mean, there's <laughs> a, there's our best centerman, and I'm taking him off the ice in game two of the Stanley Cup Finals. And, but it was just a message, and you know what? He, I played a lot the rest of that game. And then we go into and we win it. We go to game three in the Vancouver in the Stanley Cup Finals, and uh, puts me in the starting lineup. And uh, anyway, I ended up being a star of the game that night, and uh, in game three, and then in game four. Uh, we win the fall, win the game, and anyway, we're all celebrating, right? You win the Stanley Cup, right? You're in the dressing room, <laughs> yeah. They celebrate, and Jim Pickard, our equipment manager, comes in, and Al's nickname was Radar. So we all get champagne going, beer going in the in the dressing room and stuff like that. And he comes in and comes in and says, says that my nickname was Pop because Brother Dwayne's name was Dog, yeah. And so I went there. They were calling him dogs, so they just called me Pup. So he's like, pay hey, Pup, Radar wants to see you outside the locker room. I'm like, what? Like, we're in here. We just went to stand yeah. a couple. What does coach want to tell? Why is he in there? In the business room? never ends. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez, why is he in his room drinking champagne and drinking beer and little yeah. ones? So anyway, he takes me out of the old Pacific Coliseum, takes me out of the dressing room, stand in the hallway there, or in the underneath the, um, the stands. and. He's standing there and big broad shoulders. And he comes up and he, I come out of the dressing room and I walk over towards him. And he comes up to me and he grabs me right here underneath my collar and twists it. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, what's, what's going on? Like, I'm scared shitless. I'm yeah. like, head coach. And he grabs me and he looks at me and goes, What did you learn from all this? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. We just wanted to Stanley Cup. Like, what do you say, right? Yeah. And uh, he goes, uh, well, I'll tell you what you learned. I just made you one of the mentally toughest players in the National Hockey League, and you're going to have a long, long career, son. And he turned around and walked away. And I was like, whoa. And that stuck. To me. I think about that all the time. Like, you know, I played 18 years, uh, and he became like, Al became like a second dad to me. Like he was, I mean, we were together for, Ten and a half years, and he was my coach, except for a year and a half when Terry Simpson come in there. But Al was still behind the scenes and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, he just he just had his way about him. That truly a player's coach. Um, he he'd do anything for his players. But Al, when he spoke, he listened. Um, yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah. So that was uh, that was. Uh, that was the start of my start of my career. Is that for <laughs> and yeah, I'm and I honest to God, that's that to this day still sticks to me. Like I, I keep feeling his big hands around my throat all the time. <laughs> he, he shook your hands, he shook your elbow. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. and of course his glasses, he always wore the glasses. So yeah. he was uh anyway, he was he was uh, not only a tremendous coach, but he also a tremendous human being. Yeah, Kelly Rudy said the same when he we had him on. Just uh, just an unreal person. Just uh, and he always yeah. talks about him, right? It just the importance of 
Al Arbor as a, as a person and a coach? Well, you know, when I got traded from the Islanders to Chicago, uh, we talked about it the year before the trade deadline, Bill and I, there was a huge ownership change going on there. And Bill, Bill figured that he was going to be moving on, which he did. He ended up going to be president of the, of the Florida Panthers, the expansion team. And uh, so we talked about the trade deadline and, but I thought there was a chance I was going to be traded then and I didn't get traded. And anyway, we had to can the cup back and had to can the cup in 91 and went to the can the cup and played in that. Bill came into Montreal and met me there after a game and we talked and um, then he said, well, maybe we should work on renegotiating a new contract. I said, fine. And I, mean, I was good with that too. So uh, he said, maybe this ownership thing will get straightened out. And so we were leading going down that path and, and I was doing it myself and him and I were just always working through it. And, and then, uh, and then, uh, Bill lost his assistant, uh, secretary. Um, we were, I, I was actually at home in Long Island. It was a night, uh, between games. It was, uh, between, I think the start of the regular season was like, I don't know. I think I played like, I don't know, six regular season or eight regular season games before I got traded. But, um, it was between game two and three and he called me at home and uh, he was in Montreal and he was really upset on the phone. And he said, uh, Brent, my uh, um, village assistant had passed away that day in the office. He just said, Brent, can we, can we meet the next day or so? And I said, yeah. And uh, so we met and he said, you know what, Brent, this isn't going to turn out the way you or I would want it to. Uh, I'm going to be moving on. Uh, it's been a tough few days. Um, I think it just kind of hit them that, you know, the reality of this all is that we are going to have its ownership change and uh, he was going to be moving on to Florida. And, uh, um, you know, I just think through the death of his assistant and he just sat back and really looked back on things. And, and I was the last link to the Stanley Cup there. So that was hard. Um, so anyway, he, he gave me an opportunity, he told me to give him a list of four teams that I would want to go to. And uh, so I gave him a list of four teams and, uh, uh, at the time. And uh, Were the Oilers on that list? Oilers and Flames both were, yeah. Oh, right so, but anyway, what, it, what ended up happening was uh, uh, we were actually playing the U.S. Uh, Olympic team they were traveling around playing exhibition games that year. And, um, uh, I wasn't, they didn't dress me that night. It was a Tuesday night and I didn't dress and myself and Patrick flatly was sitting up in the suites watching the game and neither one of us were playing. And, uh, the phone rang and flats answered the phone in the suite. And it was Mr. Tory. And he said, uh, can you tell Brent to meet me down in the equipment room between the first and second period? So I went downstairs between the first and second period. And, uh, he told me that I'd been uh, that he was closing in on a deal with Chicago, and that uh, the deal would be uh, he'll know more after the game and he'll get back to me first thing in the morning. And I guess I found out the reason why he was it was held up because Mister Wirtz, Bill Wirtz's time was was going to have surgery that evening in the hospital, so um, so they had to wait till the morning to get confirmation from to to do the deal. So. Um, then I woke up in the morning and it was in the newspaper 
that I'd been traded to Chicago and yeah. went to the rink and Bill called me down to his office. I was, I was a lot of times I was one of the first ones at the rink. And so I'd, uh, I went down to Bill's office and he told me what happened. It was a very emotional meeting. And then, uh, then he told me to go and see Al now. So I go in and see Al and Al's got a long, narrow office. And at the end of his office is a big desk with a big wall unit behind it, dark oak, cherry oak, all furniture. And he had this huge high back chair. Well, his chair is turned and the only lights in his office that were on were the two pot lights close to his wall unit above his desk. And I go in there and all I can see is the back of his chair and the top part of his head, the back of his head. It's, he's got to turn around facing his wall unit behind his desk. And so I come in and I sit down and uh, I went, Al, he didn't answer me. Went, Radar, he didn't answer me. And he turned around and he was just a mess. He was just, he was very upset. Um, of course, and I break down because I'm seeing him like that. Yeah. And, and he looks at me and he goes, Brent, like, this is it. It's over. Our, our Stanley Cup years are done. And uh, it's this was the, you were the last link to it and uh, it's finished. It's, it's the Islanders, so it'll never be, we'll never, you know, it's over. And the dynasty is done, officially done now. And uh, with our roster. So it was, it was a tough, that was a tough day. Um, so, but you know what? Uh, when he gets back to your original question there about talking about, you know, the, the rivalry between the Oilers and the Oilers, you know, obviously the Oilers had phenomenal players. Uh, you know, I got an opportunity to play with, you know, in three Canada Cups with, uh, with Gretz and Mess and Paul, um, Andy. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had an opportunity to play with, uh, with uh, Grant when he was playing the Canada Cup, Kevin, uh, Kevin Lowe. Uh, so I had an opportunity to play a lot of a lot of their great players and and got to play the eighty four Stanley Cup with Slots was the coach. So uh you know, you and I had played against Mark obviously playing junior A when he played in the St. Albert and you know, they were great players, but phenomenal people too. And to this day, uh I learned a lot from all those guys, you know, being teammates with them and uh and you know, in, in the Canada Cups and then obviously playing against them. and But it was their time, right? The Islanders were starting to age. Um, uh, you know, a lot of our players were getting up there and then uh, the Oilers were coming, you know, and you look at all that talent and skill they had. And, um, you know, and uh, the year before when we beat them four straight, um, we knew. We knew that they were going to be a team wrecking for. Yeah. And, uh, and they were going to be a good team for a long time because they had so many great players and they were young and enthusiastic and uh, perfect coach for them in slots. Um, you know, so, and I'll never forget Wayne. I think it was Wayne. It was Wayne that said this actually, that when he says how he first thing that he learned about what it was going to take to be a, to be a Stanley cup champion was he walked by our dress room after we won game four of the Stanley Cup finals the year before, which was the fourth Stanley Cup of the Oilers, one in a row. And 
we're all in the dressing room celebrating with ice bags all over us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're walking, they're walking out, you know, to their bus. So, um, you know, and that's, that's just what Stanley Cup hockey is about, right? That's what playoff hockey is. And uh, sacrifice, uh, huge commitment by everybody. You got to throw yourself all into it. And the Oilers learned that. And they went on a, obviously on a, had a dynasty of their own too. So, um, you know, two great organizations, two great teams, and um, bunch of great know, people. Oh, I think, yeah. Know. I mean, the common ingredient, the character, is is character comes to mind for me. Yeah, character in both teams, uh, great, great guys in both teams, great coaching staff, great organizations. Uh, um, you know, and, and of course, being from Alberta, right? And uh, uh, you know, even though you're competing against them, playing against them, stuff like that. You knew everybody at home and biking was cheering for the Oilers. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, that's, it, it just, you know what, uh, when you, the game of hockey is a small, it's a small world, right? Yeah. And, uh, a lot, a lot of great people in it and great. There always has been, there always will be. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you form relationships with, with uh, everyone you come across in some way, shape or form. And, and yet when you're on championship teams with, with people like I was with, uh, with those guys, I think there was only four or five of us uh, that played in all three Canada cups together. And I was Gretz mess myself and uh, Paul. And, uh, and I, I'm not sure if Andy played in all, both, all three or not, but um, you know, you, you, uh, you learn a lot from those guys and they're great people and uh, they're great players. I know I got into coaching in 99 with, with Southside Athletic Club in Edmonton. And, and that was right around the time you did, you kind of got into coaching as well. You retired. And I know I followed you throughout and, and I've kind of admired your style per se, you know, the, the hard love and, or the, you know, the tough love with the hug, as I like to say it, what I want to talk to, and we've talked about this, the Canadian junior team, the 2005 team. And, and if you, you know, if you can speak to that and, and, you know, you, you've got a uh, loaded talent and there's arguments about whether it was the best, greatest Canadian team ever, you know, how, how do you approach that team and, and, you know, balancing the egos, if you will. And I, from what Glasser and, and Bell have said, they, they, everybody just bought in. It was relatively simple on the player's point, but as a coach, I mean, what's your mindset heading into there? Obviously I, I can guess what the answer will be, but it's not well, a change. Part of it, part of it to me was, um, first met Nick, Bob met me about coaching the team. And he said, basically just go and do what you would be doing in Red Deer. As far as the culture downstairs in the dressing room, uh, and I was quite surprised when I got there, to be quite honest. There was a lot of people around the players, and it was a huge distraction, a lot of things downstairs. I took some slack over it because I I basically shut the dressing room down outside of coaching staff, players, and trainers. Um, I wouldn't let anybody else in the dressing room. And uh, if you wanted to, if you wanted to deal with these kids on equipment and all this stuff. It's because everything was done right in the restroom and you're trying to hold meetings and there's other people around. And it was bizarre. And, uh, uh, you know, things can be done down in the 
aisle hallways somewhere and stuff. We don't need to be, you know, having this kind of distraction here. And the, the human lost the year before. They'd actually lost, uh, they hadn't won a gold medal in seven years. And uh, enough was enough basically with Bob. And uh, he just said, put, put it back in line here. Let's get the culture back to where it needs to be. And so he said, just do what you've been doing in Red Deer. So that's what I did. Yeah. And uh, first person that uh, Bob and I talked about hiring after, uh, after uh, myself was Pete DeBoer. And Pete was coaching uh, Kitchen at the time. So Pete was like, we were kind of like co-coaches. And, uh, and uh, anyway, Blair Maxey was uh, uh, head scout. He did an awesome job of bringing in a lot of the good players. Blair and I are, uh, you know, good friends this day still. And just the connection that we had. And uh, um, anyway, we had, uh, I met with the players and I met with 13 returning players. And that was like a lot of big name guys, right? Like, Cross Sydney. Uh, he was going to be going in. He was a 16-year-old before the World Juniors. Um, yeah, it's Ryan Gessler, Corey Perry, um, Bergeron. Yeah, just name it. Well, Corey Corey wasn't there the year before. It was, oh, okay. Neither was. Uh, it was Getz and Dion Phaneuf yeah. and uh, uh, Brent Seabrook, and it was just on and on. There was 13 returning players. So I met with them. I said, guys, this can either go two ways. If you guys are willing to buy into what we want to do here and and you guys you want to get back you want to win a gold like you got to redeem yourselves here we got to get going we want to be this this team that plays a certain way um loaded with talent and i will argue and say it's not arguably the best team it was the best team that ever played yeah, and then you right. look at you look at all those players right they're all they were all captains on teams in the national hockey League for a long period of time they all had great careers. Some of them are still playing all studs, right? Star yeah. player. And, uh, you know, and that, that team was unique. I mean, and they talked about this year at World Juniors where, where uh, uh, you know, breaking records from the 2005 team, right? And, uh, but that team was loaded. And, and so we, what our goal was at the time was to fit the right players in with this group. It didn't have to be necessarily guys that were late then they had to let some guys go on our final cuts that were leading the scores in in their leagues yeah and but looking to build a team and uh and the goaltending glassy was our goalie that year and uh um him and boschman from prince albert and uh neither one of those goalies were invited to our camp in in the fall and what we were looking for was we, we figured we'd have a really good team. We thought we had to play a certain way. If everyone parked their egos at the door and everyone just bought into how we want to play, um, we'd have lots of success. We we're looking for a goaltender that can stop no more than 15 to 20 shots in a game because we wouldn't be giving up any more shots than that because we'd have the puck a lot. So we needed a goalie that was very mentally strong. So we took the two best goalies in the country that were uh, – off the two best defensive teams in the in the country. Yeah. And uh and both very good teams in 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 Kootenai and PA that year. And uh um so we just yeah that's how we added our team. That's how we went about it. And we uh you know we we're very the kids were very driven. Um you know to be quite honest it wasn't so much about we wanted to play a certain way. We knew the players would play that way. 
though you weren't concerned about that. It was just making sure that just the mental side of it, that we were where we needed to be on a daily basis through our practice habits. And, and then as we're getting close to the tournament, um, Patrice, uh, uh, Boston decided he was playing the American hockey that year. So we wouldn't have had six or seven or eight of those players on our team because the was in a lockout. Yeah. So that's all they, that's why we had him on our team. And, uh, and Bergie year before played for Boston, but then as an 18 year old, but then got sent down to the American hockey league that year. Cause he could, they could do it. Cause he played the year before in the NHL. He didn't have to be sent back to junior. So Boston let him come to us to play the world juniors. And he was really, he was, uh, he was the final piece that, and obviously a big piece that, yeah. you know, him and Sydney to this day, you look at every event those two, those two guys have played together in international competition. They use them on the same line, yeah. And it's amazing. It started back in '05. Awesome. Uh, they we put them on the same line, and Bergie and, and Sid room together, and uh, Bergie took Sid under his wing. I mean, obviously he was still a young superstar. You know, still hadn't been drafted. Yet. He was still he was 17 years of age, but their work habits and practice, and they treated every every practice was like a game to them and they took it very seriously. And you know what? Everyone just, everyone is, it was, it was a great group of guys even to this day. Um, you still hear from some of them you talk to them and uh, just a phenomenal group of, of players, uh, but people. And uh, um, you know, and that was kind of, that kind of got team Canada back on a roll. You know, they won five, five, uh, five gold medals after that. And, and the first four were all, you know, related almost similar to the, um, as far as, you know, Pete didn't come back for the second one, but then Craig Hartsburg came in. Yeah. And then uh, Hartsy was my assistant coach that year, him and uh, Clement Jodian. And uh, um, the first year was Jimmy Halton and Pete, and then it was uh, Hartsy and Clement and, uh, and then I didn't come back the next year. I stepped away from it. And uh, it was just a lot to be away two years in a way, two years in a row away from your own team in Red Deer. And, uh, and Artsy did it. And he won two, two, mm-hmm. two uh, gold medals in a row after. And then he stepped away from it. And then Pat yeah. quit yeah. on it in Ottawa in 09. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, that was kind of a, but the culture had changed and they just kind of followed that lead. And, uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's something that you're proud of. It's something that you knew that needed to be a lot of hard work uh, put into it. But again, it had a lot to do with the people around, right? Great people. And Bob was unbelievable. Awesome. Uh, you know, to this day, I owe Bob a lot because he had, uh, he gave me that opportunity and uh, and we had success with it. And I learned a lot through Bob through all that because, you know, it was almost similar. It's crazy when i went to new jersey to coach new jersey lou and bob are similar in a lot of ways um you know they really want you to really want you to think through things and look at all angles before you make a decision never never make a decision a reactionary decision on on your feelings at the time think it through uh, settle down let things work out and then that you know when you have time use time to your advantage and uh you think better that way um and you more often than not you'll end up making a, you know the right decision uh by giving it time and thinking it through and they're both very very good in that uh on their leadership on that part yeah 
Oh, very well said. Uh, final one for me. Um, you know, Petro always talks about the uh, the Sutter uh, Fund, the golf tournament you guys put on. Obviously, this year would have been the 25th year, from what I understand. But COVID kind of had a say in that. But um, yeah. if you can provide any updates, I know it, you might not be able to because everything this, you know, what is true now might not be true 10 minutes from now with, with COVID. So, but um, any any update for the tournament this summer, if if there will be one, if things get better. Uh, not this time. There's not. No, we. To be quite honest, we haven't had a haven't had a meeting on it in quite some time. Uh, it's just it, with everything involved, right? And uh, I mean, we're hoping so. Um, but again, it's uh, a golf term is not much fun if you can't have you know you can't have your sponsors involved and uh, everybody involved, especially the 25th year. Yeah. We want to make sure when we do it, we do it the right way. Yeah. Um, so it's where I guess we're just still at the mercy of where where our life's going to be come middle of summer, right? So yeah, we'll just see how it unfolds. And uh, uh, the committee do a great job. Uh, they'll uh, you know we can make things happen fairly quickly if we ever get the green light. But at this point in time, uh, we're not sure what's happening. Yeah. All right. Well, we thank you so much, Brent. Uh, this is a, a true pleasure and just, an, you know, one of the best interviews we've done and we've done quite a few and not to put anyone that we've had on before down or anything like that. It's just, you're a part of hockey royalty, you and your family. And, and uh, we wish you and your family and the rebels organization continued success uh, in 2021 here. Right. Awesome. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank Perfect. you. Cool. Thanks Brent. Take care. All the best.